In part one of our series on Pee Wee Gaskins, we'll discuss his upbringing, his introduction into a life of crime, and his inability to keep a wife. We'll also discuss some stories about his time incarcerated, his life on the run, and his first murder. Finally, we'll learn how a man, five foot four inches tall, had a four foot dick. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you always wanted to visit Pee Wee's Playhouse as a kid, stick around. The playhouse where tonight's young Pee Wee used to hang out is not going to make you go. This is Necronomapod. Anything that any of my uncles or aunts didn't like, they would take a hedge bush switch or a pear tree sprout or an apple tree sprout. As long as it's a good switch, and they'd tear my back and legs up. It'd be red stripes all over my body. They took Junior Pierce and uh, tried him for that and everything. Uh, he just happened to be an unlucky man. The day she left school, I was working on the ballroom. Peg was drugged and taken to a cement block house about 10 miles out of the country. Uh, that house was empty as for anyone living in here. I rented it for $10 a month. You know what I think we need? More alien UFO episodes. Like last week? Last week was so much fun. Was that not a good time? I had a good time. They are a lot more entertaining sometimes. It's just more relaxed and fun because, look, I know people love the serial killers. We're always going to talk about them. But, you know, talking about death is, is tough every week. True crime can get you down sometimes. That last, it was just such a fun episode. Then you could debate whether or not you think it happened. If it didn't, cool pictures that those kids drew. Yeah. It's just always, I don't know. It's always fun talking about that stuff. I agree. I really liked it. I believed it too. And we had a bunch of people that said, hey, about time fuckos. Like, you know, when was the last UFO story we did? I don't even remember. I don't know. Maybe Stan Romanek or something. I think we tend to save a lot of them for Patreon because there's like small little stories that aren't quite full enough yeah. for mm-hmm. a Sunday show. So if you like that, there's probably more on Patreon, but I think we need to do more on uh, for the big Sunday shows. I'm with you. I love them. That was a good time. Some people were not as fans of uh, John E. Mac as we were though. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> Can't please everyone. <laughs> Ian's response. <laughs> Ian's response. <laughs> He's like, I don't go fuck. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, who are you talking to? What do I care? <laughs> the episode's done. I don't give a shit. I like John Mack. So. Yeah. Seemed like a cool dude. You've read yeah. his books, right? Mm-hmm. He's from Harvard. Yeah. Should know what he's Smarter than all these little us. bit. Yeah. He was on our bell a bunch of times. Yeah. Story over. Case closed. Mm-hmm. Did he do an episode where he talked about this incident, the aerial UFO? With on Coast to Coast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good one to listen to. Yeah. Like, not fully that, but... But just to get in, gets yeah. into it a little bit, among other things. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that was that was it. Just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, also, off the top, I want to uh, mention instead of saving it to the end in case you fuckos turn this thing off before it's uh, <laughs> over. Uh, this month on the ten dollar tier of Patreon, we have our quarterly Zoom happy hour. We'll hang out with listeners uh, for few hours, sometimes longer than a few hours, and uh, have drinks, talk, hang out, answer questions. Some, good, sometimes uh, Mike fillets himself on camera. It's, <laughs> it's a really good time. Maybe. We'll see what happens. We don't know. It's been known to happen. I wish. I don't have that skill. Come on. You flatter me. Um, but anyways, that's what you say. You can. <laughs> I was going to say you can't open your mouth at one. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be able to dislocate the jaw. <laughs> Uh, what so what what is the day of that? Uh, March twenty sixth. March twenty sixth. Nine p.m. Eastern Standard. Eastern time. Standard Time. And it's gonna be fun watching people try to figure that out. Um. So, anyways, we're that's on uh, the ten dollar tier of Patreon. That'll be a good time. We'll, we do those uh, four times a year. It's always we always get quite a few people. It's fun. So it goes pretty late sometimes. Yeah. Last one did right. It was I think it was late. two times ago. We started at like nine or ten, and we were going well past two a.m. I think <laughs> yes. that's a long time. Look, when Dave starts falling asleep, we have to cut it off. Like he needs to get his rest. He gets up at four thirty every day. Sometimes we just need to shut it down. True story. 
Um, but yeah, so anyways, those are good. T- that's a good time. If you're, uh, if you're interested, check that out. And, uh, that's my shtick for the beginning. This is a highly requested topic we're about to get into. Yeah, this is a big one. Very big. I think when we initially started, this was one of the more requested subjects and it kind of trailed off, I think for a while, at least I didn't hear anything about it. Maybe some, maybe you guys did. Um, but people wanted some peewee. He's pretty well known, right? In the true crime community. Like he's a heavy hitter as far as uh, serial killer aficionados are concerned, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I think a lot of that, too, is the fact that he has his own autobiography, which is what we're going to be using tonight or what I used for for the outline. So does that mean you have to take everything with a grain of salt? Yes. Like Willie Picton has one, too. Mm -hmm. Um but I didn't use his because his, he tries to just say that he was innocent and everything right. is, you know, his is um, absolutely bullshit. Pee Wee Gaskins is maybe 90% <laughs> like there's 10% truth in his, in his oh, book. Okay. <laughs> do we, but do people actually know the Pee Wee Gaskins story or is it just what he told authorities back in the day? And that's what he wrote in his book. Um, like, cause I know you said we're using that as the research, but there's not like an actual truth out there. Is there, or is it, um, you know, just based off his word is kind of what they know. And then there's some murders that are proven 13, 13 or 15, somewhere in there. Uh, but he claims that he killed like 110. Mm. Okay. Which is a familiar story. I mean, it, you know, it happens a lot, right? And you're dependent on what they have to say. A lot of times, right? Whether they, and you have to figure out yourself whether they embellished all that stuff and try to figure out what's what's real and what's not. Yeah, it's just pretty rare to have a serial killer have um, a book that is word for word their recounting of everything. Right. I mean, we go back to Kuklinski a couple weeks ago. Like a lot of that is the same thing, you know. Right. Taking his word for it. I don't know how much of that was true or not. Yeah. And I think everybody knows Pee Wee Gaskins or a lot of people that are really into true crime because in his book, there's this one part that's probably one of the worst things that's ever been written down ever. (laughs) So it's like unit 731 Uh, tier stuff. And that's, I, so I think everyone's like, Oh yeah, that, that part in the book. And that's why the alien episodes are fun sometimes. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right, let's dive in. It's me, Pee Wee. I'm looking forward to Pee Wee Herman all night. I've been thinking a lot about watching that movie this week. <laughs> so great. So Pee Wee Gaskins was born on March 13th, 1933 in Florence County, South Carolina to Yuli Parrott. And his name is kind of up for debate on his birth certificate. It says his name was Junior Parrott, but because of how small he was, everyone just called him Pee Wee. It's not clear who Pee-wee's father was, but according to Pee-wee, it was a guy from a couple towns over named Donald Gaskins. The way Pee-wee tells it is that he legit thought his name was Pee-wee until he was 13 years old and had to go to court for some trouble he got into. He never heard another name before other than Pee-wee. At that court date, his mother told the judge Pee-wee was named after his real father. Donald Gaskins was a successful businessman And people close to Pee Wee said that he just started telling everyone that Donald Gaskins was his father. But regardless of how all of this happened, Donald Pee Wee Gaskins was what stuck with him. I guess when you start the story with his name is up for debate, there might be some (laughs) interesting things that ensue. Yeah, the way he writes it in his book, he was shocked standing there when a judge said that, you know, that that wasn't his real name. I'd be shocked too. We've talked about kids getting paddled and, and being hit with belts and, and abuse and stuff. In in the 30s and 40s, the times were different. And Pee Wee claims that his childhood was filled with all kinds of neglect from his mother and beatings from various stepfathers. And there's some sexual abuse from stepfathers. But people in his family said that that's the farthest thing from the truth. Family members say that Pee Wee was babied because of his size and how cute he was and that no one ever hit him once which I think is pretty rare for the time frame. Like he never got spanked ever. Mm. Did you get spanked back in the thirties, Dave? <laughs> Possibly. Do ugly kids get beaten more? 
Like the inference mm-hmm. here is that he's a cute kid, so no one wanted to hit him, right? I think it was more like his size, like he was so little. Mm-hmm. You know, when he gets to, when he's an adult, the highest he, uh, 5'4", 120 pounds. That's your average uh, serial damn. killer fare, right? That is so small. Yeah, he's small. He had to climb, well, he had to climb into the electric chair <laughs> to get executed. <laughs> This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> funny, but the visual of that. Like, climb on up there, fella. You think trap in. You think of like a little kid like learning to potty train and like climbing up on the toilet. Speak dangling and kicking. Yeah, so I think it was his size more than anything why no one hit him. Okay. There were a couple things that went off the rails for Pee Wee growing up. First, at one years old. Pee-wee drank almost a whole bottle of kerosene, which caused him to have seizures until he was three years old. I meant to do that. (laughs) Second, at five years old, Pee-wee started killing animals. He started out by finding bird nests and killing all the babies. Then he graduated to trapping full-grown birds and ripping their heads off. That's a bit intense. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Five-year-old? quite young third not too long after he figured out that he liked to hurt animals peewee said he had an experience that made him realize that he would end up being a killer peewee said that his stepfather at the time heinet hannah took peewee and his cousin to a carnival there was a sideshow type tent and they were promoting a king cobra the way peewee tells it is that the king cobra had just eaten like you could see a bulge from the rat in its stomach but it would still kill just for the sake of killing like the trainer or whatever would throw rats in and the cobra would kill it even though it wasn't going to eat the rats peewee said that after the cobra killed a rat the cobra looked at peewee they made eye contact and peewee got an erection (laughs) that's ridiculous (laughs) is this all from peewee movie Oh, oh, that's just the boing sound. Like, so <laughs> that movie is just low key about Gaston's life. <laughs> what if Pee Wee Herman was actually like Pee Wee's big adventure was this story? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman gets a bad rap now, and everyone you know just remember him from jerking off in an adult theater. Which I don't know why which else like, you would yeah. go to an adult theater, but. Well, those aren't really common nowadays. He's but so like, goddamn funny. What? Yeah. What are you supposed to do in those things? Eat fucking milk duds? I just and, assume that's what everyone did in yeah. an adult theater. I don't. But regardless, I kind of picture it like the the scene in Harry in the first Harry Potter where <laughs> where he's talking to the snake. I just picture the snake looking at Harry Potter, and then <laughs> Harry Potter gets hard. <laughs> he's a apostle dick. <laughs> Sorry, these inside Harry Potter jokes, Mike. I apologize. I saw the first movie, but it was a long time ago. (laughs) Pee-wee did get bullied from kids because of his size, but he had a group of friends. Pee-wee said that there was an old abandoned shed that they all used to hang out in called The Hideout. Pee-wee wrote, quote, We sat around and smoked cigarettes that we had stole and bragged about how much we knew about girls, and we watched the older boys and learned how to jerk off or cornhole or fuck a sheep (laughs) or a goat or a chicken. So it's like a playhouse. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. I had uh, very cautiously had to Google what a cornhole was. <laughs> like I know what a cornhole like it's term for like a butthole, but like what does that mean to like do a cornhole? And I still never actually found an answer. But I didn't want to search too much. I'm assuming it means just like fucking someone in the ass yeah it's when you cornhole someone right that's i mean that's what i assumed but i didn't know if i was missing something there like i didn't know if that was another term for like a glory hole back yeah yeah Yeah, his book is for real in his words like all the misspellings all the bad grammar his little slang terms for shit that no one's ever used before all kind of stuff all right well they were cornholing each other is this book self-published or there was an author that put it out and mm. he stopped doing interviews and stuff. I think he was kind of like blackballed a little bit for putting this shit out in the industry. Yeah. His peers oh, the- oh, that's what blackballed <laughs> <laughs> not the murders, but this you can't <laughs> like, get, sir, the- you can't say cornhole. <laughs> you can't get the book anywhere. 
Hmm. It's not, it's out of print. How did you find it? PDF of it. Ah. Someone scanned every page, which is pretty awesome that they did that. Wow. So if you printed that PDF, is it back in print? Maybe. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Start selling bootleg copies out of your trunk at the Walmart. <laughs> so we're right in the area of 12 or 13 years old. Pee Wee had dropped out of school and all the boys in this group had dropped out at 11 years old. And when he dropped out, he started um, working on cars. He realized that he was really good, especially at stripping cars at 11 years old. So that's where Pee Wee was making money. Within this group of boys, there were two that Pee Wee considered close friends, Danny and Marsh, and they called themselves the Trouble Trio. They got in trouble for stuff like peeping in the public outhouses while girls were in there, and then they moved on to breaking in houses. They were stealing money to sell stuff, and then they would make their way to Charleston. The three of them went to Charleston because there was a military base there, and there were lots of sex workers. About that, Pee Wee wrote, quote, that's how we all lost our pussy fucking charity. <laughs> That's how we all lost our pussy fuck cherries. But there was something about them horrors that we didn't like. Again, I'm quoting him. <laughs> but there was some, problematic. There was the way he writes. It's just it is just dirty and vulgar. I'll start from the beginning. Most I want to say pussy fuck cherries. It's the name of my band, by the way. We're going on tour. Asking Alexandra is opening for us. <laughs> That's how we all that's how we all three lost our pussy fuck cherries. But there was something about them horrors that we didn't like. We agreed that jerking off at the hideout was almost as good. Marsh thought the hideout was better than horrors. He liked cornholing the younger boys and letting them cornhole him, and he liked to suck dicks. Danny and me didn't go for that too much. Mostly we just watched. Though, to be honest, like most teenage boys, we tried it all once or more. And because Marsh was our friend, we let him suck us off whenever he asked to. It's the kind of party where everybody gets a present. <laughs> <laughs> is that what most teenage boys do? I must have missed those invites. I, I missed out on that yeah. as well. I'm assuming he meant the part where he said we all tried it. Like they were just like, oh, if someone else was doing it, I'm going to do it. Mm. I was not around anyone that did that. I did not do that as uh, either. Maybe the 30s were different. Clearly they were. It was a depression. Didn't have any money for anything else, right? Said it's the shed, right? What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> Collect baseball cards? <laughs> Got to spend your time somehow. You cornhole your buddies. That's what you do. Home for dinner. Uh, not very hungry, mom. I had a big load at lunch. <laughs> I feel like I missed out on uh, part of my teenage years now reading this. Oh boy. It didn't take long, but eventually the trouble trio committed a very serious crime. The way Pee Wee tells it is that they got tired of going to Charleston for sex workers and all that stuff at the hideout was getting old. They started wondering what it would be like to have sex with a girl that was a virgin. So Marsh came up with the idea that his 13 year old sister would be perfect. The three of them led Marsh's sister to the hideout and raped her. Afterwards, they told her that they'd kill her if she told anyone and they offered to give her a bunch of money. Marsh's sister quickly told her parents what happened. And instead of going to the authorities, the boys were strung upside down from a tree and whipped with a belt until they were all bloody and bruised. That's, that's something. Ouch. Like Pee Wee couldn't walk for a couple days. Oh, good for him. But they were still cornholing, though. <laughs> it's doing like reverse cowgirl or something. <laughs> you don't have to walk. Right? <laughs> I guess it'd be reverse cowboy. I think so. <laughs> oh, man. After this, the Trouble Trio didn't hang out anymore, and Pee-wee went on his own way to commit crimes. He said the best time to break into a house was on Sundays during church or when a funeral in town was happening. Well, that's smart. You get robbed in the church, you get robbed at home. (laughs) (laughs) One Saturday in 1946, Pee-wee knew that there was a funeral going on, so he broke into a house. Only this time, a teenage girl was home. She panicked, and she had a hatchet nearby but Pee-wee quickly got it off of her and hit her in the head, knocking her unconscious. This girl identified Pee-wee immediately because they lived in the same fucking town forever. You know, it's weird. I think that's going to be a theme throughout this whole episode. (laughs) This dude is not one for disguises or, you know, being cryptic about who he's killing. Like, he's just like, oh, you've known me my whole, your, you know, our whole lives. 
I'm going to kill you now <laughs> and I'm going to fail That's and right. then I'm going to be in trouble. So he was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. The judge found Pee Wee guilty and he was sent to the South Carolina Industrial School for Boys until he turned 18 years old. Pee Wee said that he got his real education from his time in the reformatory school. On the first night, Pee Wee said that he was raped by 20 boys in the shower. Then he was claimed by the toughest boy in the school that everyone was afraid of named Boss Poss. Boss Poss. Now that is just absurd. <laughs> Boss Poss. <laughs> There's so many things in this sentence. 20 boys raped him in one night. Well, those boys schools back in the 30s and 40s are brutal for this. Absolutely brutal. Charles Manson has some crazy stories about that. Uh, Carl Panzram was also yeah. sexually abused and beaten in those things. Those are I don't, like I horror don't doubt stories he got the shit from those. Out of them, but mm. like, I don't put any of this past. I don't think that any well, of this is a lie. No one's fucking walking around named Boss Paul. Well, I don't know about Boss Paul. You're, you're thinking he's a hard ass. <laughs> Boss Paul. <laughs> Couldn't come up with anything better. So Poss would protect Pee-wee from the other boys, and in return, Pee-wee had to do sexual acts for Poss daily, and Poss could loan Pee-wee out to the other boys in exchange for cigarettes and stuff. Get some Paul Malls for Boss Poss. <laughs> After 13 months of these living conditions, Pee-wee got together with four boys who were getting treated the same as him, and they escaped. The four boys were caught pretty quick, but Pee-wee made it all the way back to his house. He was quickly turned back over to the reformatory and his punishment was 30 lashes with a belt and 30 days of hard labor. Can you imagine they just straight out beat you in prison? Uh, you know, and this is supposed to like rehabilitate young men, <laughs> right. young boys to go back into the world. Whew. Like your most impressionable time, like they're shaping you for manhood and just beat the fuck out of you. Carl Panzram has wow. stories where he, of, he told stories that where he would be like just chained up as a boy, like this age yeah. chained up by his wrist and just hit with a hose. Those yeah. reformatory schools are brutal. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, but I, I like a good too. He escapes and then just goes home and they're like, Hey, fuck face. You're supposed to be <laughs> uh, like, you're going back. <laughs> he couldn't go back to the hideout for a little while. Right. Hang out there. Go do some cornhole before you got to go back on <laughs> your sabbatical from prison. Anything you can get holes is holes. <laughs> And he said in his book, too, that that hard labor um, was digging ditches in the South, you know, South Carolina summer. The swamps. Yeah. And it's 100 degrees and no, no real breaks or anything. <sighs> You're just out there digging ditches. The word swamp <sighs> makes me start sweating. Like, I yeah. just feel it to be so humid and wet and hot. It sounds awful. It's a place you never want to go, Ever. let alone to work, work all day in it. <laughs> Wearing probably uncomfortable clothing, you know, they're not exactly, you know, letting you wear leisure, leisure clothes or, you know, being cool, working ridiculous hours, being treated like shit. Oh, and on top of that, you know, you got fucking 30 lashes on your back that are probably bleeding open and busted up. And you're going to get cornholed for smokes when you get back yeah. to right. the prison for the night. I'm just going to slit for, my for throat. For a pack and, of uh, Lucky Strike or whatever yeah, right. else they had back then. I'll slit my throat and take my chances in heaven. Yeah. Oh, look, look at that uh, crocodile going by in the swamp or alligator. <laughs> oh, I'm jumping in. <laughs> That's right. Pee-wee escaped the second time, and this time he lasted out in the swamps for six days before he was tracked down by dogs. For this, he was given 50 lashes and four months of hard labor. The third time he escaped, Pee-wee fled to his aunt's house. His aunt convinced him to turn himself in and just finish out his sentence, but this time Pee-wee was punished by solitary confinement and 20 lashes from about every night. Every night. Did anyone fucking fire the security officers that are at the front door of this place? <laughs> this guy's just walking out every fucking day. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to escape again today. Who's watching them? Nobody. Maybe it was just a minimum security boys reformatory kind of thing. But I'm just saying, if you're going to beat the shit out of them, make yeah. them do hard labor, put them in solitary. Is no one watching the front door also? Yeah. It's fucking harder to get out of a Best Buy after you make a purchase <laughs> than it is to get out of this place. On the seventh night of these beatings, Pee-wee punched the guard in the face. And for this, Pee-wee was brutally beaten and shipped to the state mental facility in Columbia, South Carolina. It's been a tough couple months for our pal Pee-wee here. 
Yeah. That's a lot. Pee Wee did participate in a rape, but this is pretty excessive for a child. It's a lot. Yeah. How old was he at this point? Because he was supposed to be here until he turned 18. Yeah. So we're. So just between 13 and 18. Yeah. Wow. Like if this is how you're going to treat teenagers when they're incarcerated, I mean, just kill them because they're obviously going to grow up to be bad people. Carl Panstram said like the boys were formatory. He said, this is where I became such a cold person. I'm sure the the history of juvenile justice is very fascinating. Mm. Even to this day, I think it's still a work in progress. The fourth time Pee Wee escaped, there happened to be a traveling carnival passing through. And by coincidence, boss boss worked for this carnival. Now (laughs) in between these escapes that Pee Wee was doing, boss boss was released Poss's uncle was the guy in charge and told Pee-wee he could work for the carnival. So Pee-wee and Boss Poss made amends and Pee-wee officially escaped from the reform school. I can't imagine a guy like Boss Poss being a carny. <laughs> you know, carnies always seem so wholesome and not meth addicted or anything like that. That's not to imply that Boss Poss was. No, no, I'm just, you know. He's running the, uh, the zipper. What, what's, isn't that the name of one of those rides, the zipper? Yeah, the one one's that, like the like, little cages that yeah. you know, the death cages with one bar while it's flipping over and over <laughs> again. Yeah, Pee Wee's job was building the rides and taking them down. I mean, because I really like carnival rides. Oh, we know. But we then know. I, I was reading the book. I'm like, God damn, Pee Wee Gaskins could have been setting up my uh, my Ferris wheel for me. Again. Putting my exactly. life in the hands of yeah. Pee Wee. Yeah. Yeah. Setting up a Ferris wheel. The dude's at his heaviest, 120 pounds. <laughs> like, he's not tightening things as well as other people are. And you fucking rock that shit. Not a lot of like, torque in those arms. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that stuff too. Now I could, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to go to do any of that. I mean, I'll kill myself on all the food that I eat when I go. Right. But, you know, if I'm going to go out, give me that fried bologna sandwich, <laughs> that foot long chili dog, <laughs> that steak sandwich. The one we went to in last summer. Mm-hmm. The, I think it was like well, that guy music. fucking sold you the those uh, no good tickets for the ride. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the, um, but <laughs> the I think it's the musical music express or whatever, like the rock and express yeah, type that thing. That thing yeah. made me feel like it was gonna break my fucking neck when it. You mean the thing that just goes in a very fast circle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, sounds like when it, it stopped and started going backwards, it felt like it was gonna break my neck. I'm like, god damn, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so. No, thanks. Ridiculous. (laughs) Like all that stuff. It's just, uh, there's just kids barfing up cotton candy everywhere. (laughs) Oh God. While Pee Wee was working at the carnival, he fell in love with a 13 year old daughter of one of his coworkers about that. Pee Wee said, quote, when I was around her, I felt like a rhino with a four foot heart on. I begged her to marry me. (laughs) Is it fun being so beautiful? How long did it take you to like think of where can I find clips <laughs> or do you just have this movie so memorized? No, I just, you know, okay. Takes a little effort. All right. I don't mean to pull back the curtain. Okay. Fame. <laughs> read the outline. You swish it around in your head a little bit. You, think? you mean you don't read this outline 30 minutes before we start? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Mark. Oh, oh. It's just me. Okay. So this girl was named Mary. Um, and she ended up being the first of Pee Wee's eventual six wives. And they got married on January 22nd, 1951. Mary didn't want to live a life on the run or stay with the carnival forever. So she convinced Pee Wee to turn himself in and finish out his sentence. Pee Wee only had three months left on his sentence. And instead of beatings, the guards just threw him into solitary confinement for those three months. Like we said earlier, Pee Wee was a really good mechanic. So he got a couple different jobs working on cars when he got out of reform school at 18 years old. Eventually, he got a stable job on a tobacco plantation. And after a couple months, one of his bunkmates from reform school started working at the same plantation. The two of them got hooked up with the owners of multiple tobacco plantations, committing insurance fraud by burning down tobacco farm buildings. In all, they burnt down six farms by Christmas of 1956, And word started to spread around that these two young guys might be behind all the arson. Pee-wee's friend took off out of state, but Pee-wee stayed behind. While working one day, the owner's daughter and one of her friends were walking by Pee-wee 
And she said something to the effect of Pee-wee, you aren't shit and spit on the ground at him. Pee-wee happened to be carrying a ball peen hammer and without hesitation, he hit the girl in the head, fracturing her skull. You familiar with a ball peen hammer, Mike? Of course. I used it to uh, build a V6 engine yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That's going way back, right? In one of our first episodes, was there a discussion about what a ball peen hammer was? I don't know. Versus a claw hammer. (laughs) That's what it it was, the claw hammer. (laughs) And I was like, I didn't, I was confused because I was like, well, it's just a hammer. I've never heard it called a claw hammer before. That's weird. I don't know why the guy at Home Depot looks at me like I'm a less of a man every time I walk in there. I go in there for light bulbs now. That's it. I can handle that. Like, all right, pal, I plowed your wife last week. So who's really the cuck here? See? <laughs> you, you got any lumber back there? Because your wife got all my lumber last night. And then I give him the old hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ho! <laughs> Thankfully, this girl recovered from her injuries, and Pee Wee was arrested for assault with a deadly weapon, attempted murder, and arson. The arson charges were dropped because all of that was technically a rumor, but for the other charges, Pee Wee was sentenced to six years in state prison. So he's a man now. He's not going to boys' school prison. He's going to real prison. Yeah. Federal pound me in the ass prison, right, Dave? <laughs> I think that comes later. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you get the gist of it. Oh, I understand. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships can take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Whether it be exercising, putting down your phone for a while, having a chat with a close friend, or just simply taking a nap, we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves just as you would take care of a friend. And with that in mind, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. Whether life currently has you down or you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash necro. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. When Pee Wee arrived at state prison in 1952, he found that it was a whole new world compared to the reformatory school. The biggest difference, Pee Wee said, was that there weren't bosses like Boss Poss. Pee Wee said that now there were power men and that no one ever fucked with power men and power men just took whatever they wanted. Pee Wee thought for sure his first night in state prison was going to be end in gang rape like the reformatory school. But this time he was completely ignored. Pee Wee said that ignoring what he called new meat for the first 24 to 48 hours was a tactic used by power men to make the new meat confused and unsure of the system, then they would be claimed. And that's exactly what happened. The next day, Pee Wee was claimed by a very large inmate that Pee Wee only knew as Arthur. For the next six months, Pee Wee shared a cell with Arthur and it was brutal. The rape and gang rapes that Pee Wee details in the book are so graphic. It's really tough to read. I hope that that's part of the stuff some of that is what he's lying about. Like there's murders that he commits that I hope he's lying about or exaggerating. And this is a solid chunk of the book that I hope is an exaggeration because mm. it's brutal. I'm glad we're leaving it out. 
Yeah, there's no, we're not reading that. There's no point to that. Yeah. After six months of living this life, Pee-wee figured that, uh, yeah, I'm going to die if I can't get away from Arthur. So Pee-wee decided that he needed to become a power man. Pee-wee went for the biggest and meanest inmate in the prison, a convicted murderer named Hazel Brazel. Hazel Brazel <laughs> and Boss Paws yeah. in the same story? <laughs> there seems to be a trend in but this ha- autobiography. <laughs> Hazel Brazel existed, though, for real. <laughs> really? I like to think it's actually Hazel Brazel, <laughs> but Hazel Brazel. Hazel who's, Brazel. who's the baddest man here? It's me, Hazel Brazel. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Mary Poppins. I'll beat your ass. <laughs> so Pee Wee, Boss Poss, Hazel Brazel. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Brazel hated his first name so much that he had an extra murder sentence thrown on his existing one because he killed a guy for calling him Hazel. What are they supposed to call him? Just call him Brazel. Okay. Brazel had guards stationed out outside his cell like no one was going to get close to brazel to do anything so Wee had to come up with a plan Wee worked in the kitchen so he started stealing extra food and would hang out around brazel's cell block selling food to other inmates eventually word of this got to brazel and Wee started bringing him stolen food directly to his cell after five weeks of doing this Wee showed up on a day that there was only one guard outside brazel's cell and when I say guard, I'm talking like other inmates that are part of Brazel's. Yeah, I assume he didn't yeah. mean a prison, prison guard. Yeah, he's got other inmates acting as guards. According to Pee Wee, the guard told Brazel that Pee Wee was outside, to which Brazel said, quote, let the little piss ant in. When Pee Wee got inside, Brazel was taking a shit and using a stolen knife from the kitchen, Pee Wee slit Brazel's throat, killing him. Like he says in the book, he stuck it right in the side of his neck and just pulled it. Pee Wee then went to the guard outside and said something to the effect of, I just killed Brazel. Get the fuck out of here before I kill you too. Five foot four, 120 pounds. (laughs) And it's wild to think about him killing like, you know, the biggest, baddest dude in there. Is it, um, can you corroborate this story is accurate? He did murder. Hmm. Hazel Brazel, yeah. So it's not just being made. It's not just made up. The name might be made it's up. It's not funny. But Ian just had to look at you, you know, dead serious and go, he did kill Hazel Brazel. <laughs> this sounds like we're telling a nursery rhyme. I don't mean to laugh. I know it's, it's insensitive. Hazel Brazel sat on a wall. <laughs> Hazel Brazel had a big fall. <laughs> Hazel Brazel actually sat on a toilet. <laughs> So, yeah, you can corroborate this okay. because Tr- Pee-wee was charged with first-degree murder. He pled it down to manslaughter. I mean, I guess that would be an easy one to corroborate, too, right? Like, you know, it'd be easy to find out if this dude was killed in his cell. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like he was. It's not some random body. He said, oh, it's buried yeah, out in the woods. Sure. The sentence for manslaughter that he got ran concurrent with his existing sentence. So nothing really changed as far as the amount of time Pee-wee would be in prison. The only real punishment Pee-wee got was six months in solitary confinement, but when he got out, he was now a power man, and the nickname Pee-wee was now known throughout that prison system as someone to not be fucked with. I'm, I'm pretty certain that if I got sent to the big house, I would end up being a power bottom and not a power man. <laughs> no, I would not be a power man. <laughs> or do you do it like he did? You be the power bottom for a while, you figure out the system, you figure out a plan to do it. If five foot four, 120 pound peewee could do it, maybe there's hope for other people. I don't know. I guess a boy can dream. Or maybe you just get Andy Dufresne until the guards fucking have your back. <laughs> That's the way to go. You'd be the smart guy. You get in with the warden and then you're protected. If you're indispensable to the warden, nothing's going to happen to you. Maybe that's the route we should we should go that route. <laughs> Suck the warden's dick and not hazel brazels. It's well documented. We're not exactly, you know, outdoorsmen or tough guys or anything like that. So You know what I find interesting though? We we talked about how harsh, you know, working in the chain gang and all this stuff. The sentences themselves don't seem to be overly excessive though. Like he went to prison for what, rape or assault? Yeah. And assault with a deadly weapon. He got six years. He ended up killing someone in prison, and they essentially it was let oh, it down and gave him yeah. time, cert, you know, right. concurrent sentence. So yeah, the the sentences aren't very hard. He had it rougher <laughs> in the reform school than yeah, he did here in prison. Right. Yeah, as far as sentencing is concerned, yeah, yeah for sure. 
It's like the length of time isn't excessive, but what they do to you while you're there might be, which is interesting. It's 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 also what I guess what the the guards and everything just turn a blind eye to and don't stop from happening. You know, they kind of just let that be a free for all. Yeah. The way Pee Wee tells it, if it's accurate, the way Pee Wee tells it, that whole place is just a free for all that you just can't get out of. I wonder how much has changed. Over the next couple of years, things were a breeze for Pee Wee because he was now a power man. No one bothered him until 1955 when he was served papers that his first wife, Mary, was filing for divorce. Pee Wee was heartbroken and he decided that he needed to get out of prison early and prove his love to her. Since Pee Wee worked in the kitchen, he was a power man and he was 5'4", he had the perfect setup to escape. There were very large garbage cans that were used in the kitchen. So being a power man, Pee Wee told the other inmates in the kitchen to shut up and he climbed into one of the garbage cans. The garbage cans were loaded onto a truck and at the first opportunity, Pee Wee hopped out and he was free again. <laughs> and they, they did say that, that, it's corroborated that they did say, they never expected an inmate to be able to fit into one of those garbage cans <laughs> to escape. So it wasn't something that they really were concerned about. Hey, I'm a power man. Now help me get in this little bitty garbage can so I can sneak out of here. Bring me that stool so I can jump on in. <laughs> oh boy. Mary wasn't impressed. So Pee Wee stole a car and headed down to Florida where the traveling carnival he had previously worked for was set up. Once he got back with the carnival, Pee Wee quickly fell in love with Betty Jean Gates, a.k.a. Xena from Zanzibar. Betty worked as a contortionist in the sideshow part of the carnival. Like his first wife, Mary, with the whole four-foot hard-on thing, Pee Wee was all about Betty and said he would follow her anywhere. He talked about her being like the contortionist, being able to put her legs behind her head. Oh, yeah. He was all about that. <laughs> What's the spin, Dave? The... Uh the Chinese basket Ch- trick? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. something. You know, I picture with this is Kramer telling Jerry when he was dating the gymnast yeah. about the wonders of the gymnast. <laughs> Jerry was going to break up with her, right? And then Kramer talked him into it because she's a contortionist. And- she can bend her body in numerous ways. And then Jerry was disappointed because he thought she was going to like use him as like the bar that she swings. Right. On. Oh, great stuff. And she was Romanian and she had heard that a comedian can unlock like sexual wonders in the sun. So she thought <laughs> he was the comedian and she was very disappointed. They don't write TV like that anymore. No. It's so damn good. <laughs> By the way, gymnast May Gusta. May Gusta. Also Roll Tide. All of the above. All of the above. Big fan of gymnasts. Oh, just gymnasts in general. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, like I thought you were talking about the gymnast from Seinfeld. Oh, well, I don't remember her. <laughs> I was, I would think I was four years old when that episode <laughs> came out. For to be honest, something like that. No, gymnasts. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. So he was talking about pinning her legs behind her head and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and going into like Pee Wee graphic detail and <laughs> bad grammar. Everyone's going to be out searching for this PDF of his book now because <laughs> of us. It's it's something. If the guy's gone, maybe we can just sell it on our on our website. There you go. <laughs> can you imagine if we, did, we got that? Can we just print off a bunch of PDFs and just sell it? 99 cents. Of- yeah. <laughs> well, we at least got to make our money back for the paper and the ink, right? Sure. That. Sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to Kinko's. We'll make it happen. Maybe the copyright has run out on this book and we can sell it. Cool down media owns Pee Wee Gaskin's <laughs> autobiography. God damn. So when Betty said that there was a family emergency in Tennessee regarding her brother who was in prison, Pee Wee offered to drive her in his stolen car. When they got to Tennessee, they rented a motel and Betty said she needed Pee Wee to take bail money to the court and a carton of cigarettes to her brother. So he had something to hold him over until bail was processed. Betty also dropped another piece of info that Pee Wee didn't know, which was Betty was wanted in five different states. Regardless, Pee Wee did as he was instructed, but when he got back to the motel, Betty was gone along with his stolen car. Pee Wee sat there waiting for Betty to come back, but instead police busted down the door of the motel room. Police informed Pee Wee that Betty's brother really wasn't her brother, it was actually her husband. And further, Betty's husband escaped jail using a razor blade that was hidden in the carton of cigarettes. You can't just make up lies about people. <laughs> <laughs> Pee was a bit of a sucker, I guess. 
Yeah. It, when he talks about his wives, his multiple <laughs> wives in this book, almost all of them except for one, he was like head over heels would just follow them to the Sounds end of the like earth. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the story more about the one that he was. He's like, eh, I just did it. it was he thing. legit. I think I quote it later on in here. He just says she was fine. That's it. He doesn't bring her up again. <laughs> Guy was high on contortionist pussy. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> He's like, Your Honor, I was contortionist pussy drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> can't be held responsible. <laughs> Sucked him right in. This is the one weird thing about Pee Wee Gaskins is um, completely op- or you know opposite of Richard Kuklinski. Pee Wee Gaskins was actually pretty good to his kids. Hmm. Like he would abandon the family in a heartbeat and like just take off for months. And then be locked up for years at a time. <laughs> yeah. But other than that though. Yeah. But he would randomly pop back in and swell dad. Bring them all leftover, yeah. you know, stuffed animals from the carnival. And there's um like one of those mini documentaries and one of his daughters is on there. She's like, I know he was terrible, but he would it was always good to me. Well, well good for him. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> at least there's that. Yeah, I mean, you know. Every human has some redeemable qualities, right? I don't believe that, but it sounds good. I don't know about Pee Wee. <laughs> oh, that's a deep, that's a, that's a heavy statement. I don't know. Every human has, probably every human has one redeemable quality. I just don't know if we ever find out what it is. It also would depend on what you mean by redeemable quality. You know, could they just be a good looking person? Is that redeemable quality? No. Could it be? <laughs> That's not what I had in mind. <laughs> you just mean as a like their personality? Yeah. Like Charles Ng was funny. I'm just saying that you uh, might you probably could do that for every person. I'm trying to just roll back some of these people in my <laughs> head and trying to think of someone who just the world could do without who provided no value. Or just the world own. never knew that side of them. Eh, like we never eh, got to know. Right. I would I would you know, I don't know. That's a whole fucking sidebar. That's the philosophy show. I'm pretty sure Leonard Blake did not have any redeemable there qualities. you go boom he grew a good beard <laughs> that's not redeemable i don't think it was for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe so authorities figured out pretty quick that Wee had escaped from state prison up in south carolina but he had to serve his time in tennessee first Wee was sentenced to three months for aiding in a prison escape by the cigarettes that he gave to betty's husband And then he got six more months for stabbing another inmate during a fight. When he got back to state prison in South Carolina, Pee Wee spent almost all of his time in solitary confinement until the FBI charged him with driving a stolen car across eight lines. For that, Pee Wee got three years in federal prison in Atlanta, Georgia. This is one no luck having motherfucker, this guy. He legit has spent the majority of his life incarcerated. Thus far, sure. Very similar to Charles Manson. Charles Manson spent most of his time incarcerated. Mm. He didn't. He asked to stay. I think we talked about this yeah, right before he started the Manson family. He asked to stay. Mm. And they said no. Mistake. Yeah, if someone asked to stay in prison, maybe just let him stay. If a prisoner tells you they want to stay in prison, <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess it wasn't like it was parole, though, was it? Was it just the end of his? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. So up. what? I mean, you can't really do anything, but there's no legal basis to yeah. keep him. Yeah. If you're telling the parole board that, then yeah, maybe stamp that denied on yeah. his uh, paperwork. Pee Wee didn't mind federal prison at all. There were no power men and all that constant craziness. And at this time, Pee Wee got his quote college education while he was in federal. His college education came in the form of advice taken from New York mafia crime boss, Frank Costello and two of Frank's bodyguards. Frank Costello was serving time for tax evasion. And we don't know how true the stuff is that Pee Wee said about Frank Costello, but it is true that they were in Atlanta federal at the same time. Convenient. He just happens to attach himself to a mafia crime boss. (laughs) Like some little hick from South Carolina doesn't seem like the kind of person that Costello would allow to be around him. The only thing I could think of is that maybe they thought he was funny because everybody said Pee Wee was super fun to hang out with. I thought he was cute. He was so small. Like, oh, the cute little guy. When they call him in a minute here, we're going to talk about his nickname, Little Hatchet Man. I could almost see them thinking it's funny and saying like, oh, he's a little hatchet man. Yeah. He's the entertainment. Yeah. Like I amuse you. Right. (laughs) That's very much what he's, it seems like, Mm -hmm. you know, P 
Pee Wee said that his reputation as a power man and his escape in the garbage can followed from state prison <laughs> to Atlanta federal. I don't, I don't think that that's true for sure. Like why would that go to federal prison? Right. Cause like, Hey, you're a little power man. that snuck out in the garbage can. I also don't think anybody used the term power man except for Pee Wee. It's like a made up term that he, I've used. never heard that until now. Right. Uh, like, I think that's just what he called people that yeah. were in charge. Hey, you're a power man. <laughs> it's just this, this, this seems like just an ego inflation yeah. with all this, you know, maybe one time he passed Frank Costello in the hallway. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> we're cool. Eventually Pee Wee said that he was summoned by Frank Costello where Frank nicknamed Pee Wee little hatchet man based on peewee hitting that girl in the head with the hatchet years ago that's that's the only thing that could make this believable to me is that if peewee was talking about this you know running his mouth mm-hmm. and they thought he was funny and said yeah. oh he's that little hatchet man right and then they just kept bringing him around to fucking Tell laugh at him. Right. Laugh, right. yeah tell us about when you cornhole yeah. that sheep hatchet man <laughs> Was it at this meeting with Frank Costello where they decided they were going to make him a made man? <laughs> Pee Wee really looked up to Frank Costello and in his book, he called Frank and his two bodyguards, the three wise men. Pee Wee said that when he listened to their advice, things ran real smooth. If he deviated from their advice, that's when he found himself in all kinds of shit. Pee Wee also said that Frank Costello offered him a job as kind of like a muscle guy. If Pee Wee ever decided to chill out a bit, but we never took Frank up on the offer. Yeah, that sounds accurate. That did not happen. He'd fit in well in New York. Sure. Muscle guy. <laughs> hey, you better pay up here. I'm going to break your kneecaps while I'm down here. <laughs> Problem is then he would and then he'd kill you. But you look at him and, you know, right. he's not exactly the toughest little uh, looking human being. The rest of Pee Wee's time in prison was pretty calm. And because of his good behavior, Pee-wee was paroled in August of 1961. He returned to Florence, South Carolina, and briefly lived with his mother and his stepfather. Pee-wee got a job working at a tobacco plantation, and things were going pretty good. Until Pee-wee threatened his stepfather with a pitchfork, saying, quote, I told him I'd stick the pitchfork through his guts and out his ass. From there, he moved in with one of his cousins and went back to stripping cars, breaking into houses, and hitting up bars looking for sex workers. Pee Wee was pretty optimistic about the future and his life at this part of the book. Like he thinks he was looking at forward to stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a motivational book by the end of it. And about this positive time, looking forward to things, Pee Wee said, quote, Whenever I felt the need of, for a new piece of ass, strange stuff, it was called then. There was always plenty to be found hanging around the honky tonks. Women had got lots freer with their pussy than I had remembered them being. I heard it was being off that new pill that made them not have to be afraid of getting knocked up every time they fucked. Again, I'm reading this as he wrote it, so (laughs) bear with me. In prison, I had to settle most of the time for just meat. So I was of a mind to try a sniff and taste and feel of every woman I met. My favoritest kind was still honky-tonk women, except now lots of the tonks was called clubs. That was just another one of the things I had to adjust to being different from what they had been before 64 when I was sent off to prison. But I reckon most of the changes that had took place was for the better, and it seemed I had all the makings of a good life ahead of me. That's what it seemed. (laughs) Okay. My favoritest kind. (laughs) Some of that strange stuff. <laughs> so at this time, Pee Wee got a chance to change his life around. He got a job for a traveling preacher named George E. Todd. If we remember back to the Jonestown episodes, Jim Jones was preaching at this traveling at these traveling churches that were basically just big tents set up in fields or fairgrounds. Since Pee Wee had the experience of setting up carnival rides and tents for that, he got the job no problem. Pee-wee makes sure to point out multiple times in the book that George Todd was a good man and never used donations to do anything other than make his sermons better or travel, um, which Pee-wee says is why George Todd was never really successful because George was too honest of a preacher. I'll buy that logic. (laughs) Pee-wee lasted almost a full year playing it straight, but in 1962, he started to break into people's houses while they were attending the traveling church services. 
And then he met his third wife, 17-year-old Jerry Dolores. We brought up earlier that there was one wife that Pee Wee wasn't into. All he wrote about Jerry in his book was, quote, she was fine. (laughs) (laughs) She was fine. Yeah, that's it. Jerry lived in Florence County, so Pee Wee was back around his mother and his stepfather. One day, Pee Wee's mother and Jerry were out shopping, and Pee Wee broke in the house next door to him and raped a 12-year-old girl that was home alone. Pee Wee was quickly arrested for this, and his arraignment date was set. Because it was the fucking next door neighbor. Yeah, I mean, and the the poor girl is like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. He lives next door. Yeah. Also, he's the only man I know that's that small. When it came time for Pee Wee to be arraigned, he noticed that one of the courtroom windows were open. Pee Wee did like a straight up Darby Allen cough and drop out the window. He wrote in his book that uh, that there was these really big bushes outside the window, and he figured that he was small enough that the bushes would break his fall. So Pee-wee jumped saying, quote, I aimed my back and my ass at the bushes. He didn't get hurt. And from there, he stole a car and headed to Greensboro, North Carolina. So a Darby Allen uh, (laughs) uh, coffin drop is essentially like a trust fall. Like, you know, you cross your arms over your chest, except you lunge backwards. (laughs) Like you don't just fall. You lunge yourself backwards. So, and that's basically what he described doing. It, like just aimed himself for bushes. Right into the bushes. <laughs> oh my God. Our friend uh, Ted Bundy did the same thing at court. Yeah. I think we covered that in our exhaustive uh, one part expose on Bundy available on Patreon. Yeah. I think I remember that ish. <laughs> ish. It's that, one that's of our a, better episodes. Right? We covered everything about Hell, Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a way to go. <laughs> Get out of it. But yeah, patreon.com slash Necronomapod for that Ted Bundy, end up, Ted Bundy episode. I think we released it uh, April 1st of last year. 2021. Yeah, if you're looking back in the archives. Almost a full year. Yeah. Almost. Coming up on the one year anniversary. When he was in Greensboro, Pee Wee married his fourth wife, but abandoned her after three months. At this point in his book, Pee Wee talks a bit more about the dynamic with his wives saying, quote, It weren't that I stopped loving her. It were the edginess and bothersomeness stirring around inside me. I got so edgy and mad at the world. I just had to get away, but I truly love them all. A lot of these two, he wasn't actually getting divorced, like legally divorced. He would just marry someone else and then (laughs) dip out for a while. That does not surprise me at all, no. (laughs) It's probably not a lot of legality to a lot of these uh, marriages. No. Yeah. Look, if they weren't given the uh, four foot, sometimes you got to go, right? (laughs) Some ladies, when they get that four foot, they just get so attached. They're like, "Uh, marry me right now. I want this. I'm claiming this is mine. He was not a man to be claimed. (laughs) Clearly not. That quotes the first time that he uses uh, bothersomeness. He uses that word a lot in the book. That's the bothersomeness is when he's getting the urge to kill. Hmm. We're going to talk about the bothersomeness a lot in part two. Good to know. Good to know. After he abandoned his fourth wife, Pee Wee reunited with his third wife, Jerry Dolores in Georgia. From there, the two of them started driving down to Florida. Along the way, they got pulled over. And because he was a fugitive, Pee Wee took off through some swamps, ditching the car and Jerry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From there, he returned to North Carolina and his fourth wife, but she turned him into the authorities real quick. Pee Wee was convicted in 1964. He got six years for raping the 12 year old girl and two more for jumping out the courtroom window. The state pen in Columbia, South Carolina had been renamed the Central Correctional Institute, but nothing else about the place changed. According to Pee Wee, he rolled back in with his same reputation as a power man, and everything for these years was smooth. It's me, Pee Wee. <laughs> I'm back. I'm still a power man. <laughs> like, why would everybody remember him? Right. You know? That's so stupid. <laughs> There's that short five foot four power man. He's back. <laughs> Don't fuck with him. Everybody, watch out. Clench your buttholes. Pee Wee's back. He was paroled in November 1968 on the condition that he stay out of Florence County for two years. Um, he was specifically told by the judge, like, we're sick of hearing your name in this county. If you step foot back here, you're done. Goddamn. About getting released this time, Pee Wee wrote, quote, I was damn determined I never was going back to prison. 
which didn't meant that I was wasn't. I was damn determined I never was going back to prison, which didn't meant that I wasn't ever going to do anything illegal again. I just wasn't never planning on getting caught. And that mindset is where we're going to pick back up on part two. And this is weird. There's no murders in in a part one of a serial killer episode. Well, there was uh, fucking Hazel Brazel. Yeah, Hazel Mm. Brazel got killed. And he committed some very serious crimes, um, the rapes. But a lot of this shit is just him bumbling through the prison system like Charles Ng. In part two, that's really going to flip. And we're going to get into what Pee Wee called his serious murders, his coastal murders, and some stuff that's on par with Unit 731. That's a hell of a teaser there. Got a good one. (laughs) Not by any stretch. It's two completely different episodes. Unit 731 is horrific. And uh, yeah, I skipped ahead in the book to read it because like, like I said before, it's kind of like, I don't know if like an internet urban legend or of the crime world, but it's like the Pee Wee Gaskins book. There's that one part that is Mm. terrible. I I skipped forward to it. Yeah, it's, it lived up to the hype. Oh, boy. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, we're going to read it. So it means I'm going to read it. Yeah, you're going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, good time. All right, we got some patron shout outs. Uh, thank you very much. First, we have a uh, make good. Apparently, I messed this one up last night because her name, her last name literally is Marty Janetti, which is the greatest thing <laughs> of all time. Uh, but apparently, I mispronounced it. So thank you very much to Angela Martinetti. Did I say that right? Martinetti. Oh, oh, oh. Martinetti. Well, Angela, I hope I, hope I you know, probably butchered that one too, but I tried my best. Uh, thank you very much to new patrons. Anthony, Grappoid, Mark Lifsey, Justin, Aaron Alley, Abby, Lane, Anthony Benezzi, Seth Williford, Danielle, Christina Gutierrez, Come Squatch, Cody Miller, Michael Steinhorse, Brandon Nelms, Martin Peugeot, Kitten Boo, Sydney Gurley, Mike's Fat Juicy Hog, <laughs> Joey Isom, Wesley Lyon, Bridge Builder, Jonathan Burnick, Chelsea and Brandon, Justin, Wade Fernandez Jr., Hannah Battersby, Tony Baloney, KFP, Gabriella, Hillary L, Dave, I have three holes for a reason. Fucking A. <laughs> Jessica Glassy, <laughs> Shannon Kramer, Ben's Chicken Stampede, Nikita Green, Tyler Kedley, Hannah Luft, Carol Hearn, Wesley Bacon, Clayton Wills, Hope Ramirez, Courtney McClatchlin. Candy, Leah Erickson, Jackson Lenin, Tickle the Tips of My Nips 69, <laughs> Stephen Crevetis, uh, Michaela Nelson, Reinfeld, Carissa Granzer, Patrick Bledsoe, Blake Kearney, Jessica Myers, and Anne. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash necronomapod thank you all very much ian what do you got for itunes i've one for hari marissa j marie 0413 and ivc87 thank you for the awesome reviews dave i pulled the uh, international reviews i know those don't usually pull up on the regular ones uh geek geek goth inc from australia and tathagata 1989 from india Thanks. Thanks for the great reviews. Good also mentioned, uh, yeah, I did good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stickers still in the store. Supplies are going fast. Necronomapod.com for the stickers. Uh, all of our regular merch at Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod. Um, I don't know. Real quick, anything else you guys got for the end of this show? I know we kind of touched on what is to be expected next week. No, I feel like we're ramping up towards some not very nice things next week, and uh, I'm here for it. Yeah, next, next week's going off. The How rails. do you follow all those ridiculous names this week, though? Boss Poss. 
Yeah, there's no, no more, no more Hazel stuff like Brazel. that. No more stuff like that? No. Well, the fun is over, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, I don't suppose there's much fun next week. No. Um, but we will be here. It's our job. Giving it our all. That's right. Because we're professional podcasters. That's what we do. Can't shy away from the heavy stuff. We bring the noise and we bring the funk. <laughs> we are also at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod. We discussed uh, earlier patreon.com slash Necronomapod and amazon.com search Necronomapod for all of our merch. And I think that covered it all. YouTube.com. Did I say YouTube? I might have said that. So. Just did. Okay. That's it. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>